Hello and welcome to Midnight Showing. I'm Nash, that's Luke, and this week the random movie we watched at midnight was Peter Wire's Gallipoli. Was it worth it? That's what we're here to tell you, and don't worry, we will notify you before we start spoiling. Luke? So, Nashy boy, I got a I got a bit of a conspiracy theory for this movie, dude. I am <laughs> oh, I'm I'm wondering if this is actually a prequel for the Fast and the Furious movies. <laughs> just with foot races, this was before cars were even invented, and that's really what one of the main parts of the movie is, is just racing. So, <laughs> clearly, uh, everything you need there for a connection, at least certainly that franchise, everything you need is there. Uh. Yeah. Sorry, that was such a dumb joke, and I was so happy when I thought of it during during the movie. I just I had to say it. So yeah. we, we we got we got we got Gallipoli. We got Gallipoli. You recommended this movie. How about you give me the introduction to how you heard about it or have ever seen it before? You know, I think I had watched it in high school because one day it was like in history class or something. It was like during like the exam week, you know, and there really isn't anything more to learn. Yeah. We'd already had like the, you know, review day or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, all right, we're just gonna watch this movie. And it was just like a World War a World War One movie to watch in that like history class context. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I'm excited I'm excited to get into it because you know, kind of like with Revolution back in, I think it was week nine, we talked about how American Revolution movies aren't necessarily shown very often. I feel like World War One movies might be in that same category. So I'm really excited. No, I to definitely get into agree. It. Yeah. So um, let's see. This movie starring Mel Gibson, bro. We love Mel Gibson on the show, apparently. I don't know if I should have said that in a recorded space. Do we love Mel Gibson? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, think, I was thinking, I was like, wait, why wouldn't you? Oh. <laughs> I was just joking. I was just joking. But So Mel Gibson, again, super young in this movie. Um, this came out right around the time that those Mad Max movies were first coming out, too. So he's around that same age range of being like really young. So we're dealing with a very novice Mel Gibson in the film world. And honestly, I think he's a he's a he's a really good actor in this movie. Yeah, and then, he slayed um, it. The other main character we have is Mark Lee playing Archie Hamilton, who is someone I never seen before. I'm assuming he's an Australian type actor person. Um, these two guys really really are the two main stars of the movie. I added um, three more people, which was Robert Grubb playing Billy who also played the pig killer in Thunderdome, which I just think is kind of funny that a character's name is the pig killer. <laughs> we got Tim McKenzie playing Barney and David Argue playing Snowy. And that's kind of just the main five soldiers that we are learning about as we continue watching the movie. So even though I added those back three people, I'd really say it's just Mel Gibson and Mark Lee's movie at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, and no, I agree. I think this the whole story... Would agree with that too, but don't want to get too much into that. Um, Luke, can you tell us a little bit more about this director, Peter Wire? Because he isn't really—I wouldn't say he's an unknown director, but people may not know him very well. You know, I, when I went to go research who Peter Weir was, I was super, super surprised that he directed Dead Poet Society and The Truman Show. The only reason that surprised me was because when you originally told me about Gallipoli, I kind of had the idea that it was going to be this niche weird film that came out of Australia that was going to have a ton of people I'd never heard of before. So the fact that we got Peter Weir here doing two super acclaimed movies... I think goes into the fact as to why I enjoyed Gallipoli as much as I did. How do you feel about that? 
No, I think that's a really good point too, and especially considering like the those two movies aren't sort of run of the mill films. You know, dude, I'm not gonna lie, I don't think I've ever seen Dead Poet Society in its entirety. We might have to do it for uh for uh oh, episode. Dude. Yeah, oh, we, we might have to do it, bro. Dude, oh captain my captain. Alright. <laughs> so, don't wanna get too ahead of ourselves here. Let's talk about this one movie this week. Yeah. <laughs> so. You you hit him him hit me with that world description, bro. Hit me with that world description. So it's taking place in the middle of the First World War. We're introduced uh, to Archie Hamilton, a young Australian man with a gift of speed, with the ability to run the 40-yard dash in under 10 seconds, which is essentially the record that was held by the previous 40-yard dash runner. Uh, With a bright future ahead, if he chooses to run professionally, Archie instead decides to fight for his country and his empire, which sounds pretty badass. But of course, once the time for war eventually rolls around, the brutal reality of the situation changes the people involved forever. Yeah, bro, I think that's a pretty, pretty good world description. And um, yes, I wrote it, so I am patting myself on the back. So thank you, everybody, for. I think it, I, it was it was it was a very well written one. It was good. Thank was you, good. thank you. But um, yeah, dude, you know this is before we really start discussing it i want to say that i this feels like a war movie that doesn't have too much to do with the war until it wants to so when i wanted to describe the world i kind of wanted to get a point the cross that like we weren't thrown right into a war we weren't thrown right into the middle of a conflict we were given characters in their lives and how they got to a certain place which i feel like is a unique way to tell your story and honestly i prefer when movies give me more of a way to kind of grow with the character instead of just being thrown right into action you feel me yeah and mark lee and mel gibson are really kind of like the two stars it's kind of hard to put one ahead of the other because for majority of the first part of the film you're only following uh mark lee who plays archie and then roughly through the middle we start to follow mel gibson a little bit more but then near the end, we're following both of them essentially equally. So they really do take the lead on this one. It's hard to say who exactly is like the star. Honestly, but bro, I, dude, I, w- dude I would say they're 50% co-stars, like 50-50 yeah. co-stars. Like seriously, like I don't think either one of them kind of takes control of the plot more than the other one. Maybe Mel Gibson because Mark Lee does go away for a little bit and instead of staying with Mark Lee, we stay with Mel Gibson. Yeah. That could be an argument to it really being Mel Gibson's story, but again, getting ahead of myself, I think we can really dive into that once it starts. So, my friend, trailer guy, what you think of this one? I... Really like this trailer, and it isn't the type of trailer that we've seen before. So there's almost no dialogue in the whole trailer. And the scenes in the trailer, totally out of order. <laughs> yeah, um, 100%. <laughs> yeah, and it shows, it really is an incredible example of showing more than telling. And I think it does it to this movie's benefit, because this is a movie really to discover if you sort the less you know going into it the better because it's easy to follow it's all pretty linear no it's all entirely linear and so i think by revealing any more plot it would sort of be to the film's detriment and i really like this trailer the only issue i could see with somebody having with it is that it doesn't really tell you what is going on which you know but you know definitely but once you watch the movie i think it's better that they didn't spoil the whole thing because if you watch the trailer it looks like the whole movie is going to be an action epic of world war one and that's 100 percent 
what it wasn't. But again, dude, we're taking a while with this intro, bro. We're trying to, trying to move it along because I really want to talk about it. So what we got for motifs and themes in this one, bro? War. <laughs> no, and the uh, harsh reality of it. <laughs> um, we've got, you know, s- sort of not being a number, so individualism um, and the power of choice because all of the characters here did make a choice. None of them were drafted. And so I think that's a pretty important note to make. Um, with that being said, do you give this movie a thumbs up or a thumbs down, Luke? A thumbs up, dude. I am really, really impressed by this movie because of how unique it was and how engrossed it got me in the characters and the story without it being that epic save it priving Ryan uh, type movie. Yeah, exactly. There isn't a, I don't think there's another war movie like it. But now that we've given you a taste of the movie, we really don't want to spoil it for anyone that hasn't seen it yet. So if you haven't already, like and subscribe to our channel. Pause this video so you can check this one out for yourself. Well. <laughs> I love when you do that pause. It makes me laugh so hard. Um, <laughs> so yeah, dude, so first, first thing I want to throw out there for the discussion is... This is the happiest war movie I've ever seen <laughs> until it does not want to be happy anymore. And when it flips yeah. that switch, bro, oh my God. So let's kind of establish, you know, that point first. We kind of touched upon it a little bit in our intro, but what I felt like this movie was really trying to do was humanize World War One. Because when I learned about World War One in school, just through my own accord, the point kind of got made about the lost generation, about all of these people dying and how, what does it mean when you see a statistic of a million people died in a war? And all of those people had their own personalities, families, and intricate lives, you know? You, 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 you can't just take someone's entire existence and put it into a 100,000 troop loss on the day. You know what I mean? I felt like this movie was really trying to make a point to us as viewers. Again, you know, with the harsh reality of war, I want to talk about some of the movies we've done in the past because this isn't the first time we've hit this motif, but I felt like this one really wanted to get the point across that, like, these were just people, dude. You know, it's yeah. people involved in a conflict. How do you how, how do you how do you feel about that for setting the stage for why Gallipoli is unique? No, I think that does a great job because all the characters are pretty dynamic. Um, like you see enough interactions with everyone to sort of understand like the type of people there are, the type of people that they are, and you get to feel for them. Just kind of like you know, um, we had that guy at the beginning that raced Archie, you know, on the horse. Yeah, and he joined up because he was older, and that was an issue for him. But um, then we see him at the very end of the movie, and he's just sobbing, and he's been like an ass the whole movie, mm-hmm. and now we see him just totally broken, about to go over to the breach, and that's kind of it is very humanizing and shows sort of the reality of it, um, especially combined with the fact with how Mel Gibson's character you know, emphasizes Archie's own happiness. Like, why are you always in a, in such a good mood? Yeah. Right. And so it's like to see that kind of slowly drained as we get closer to the end of the film. <sighs> like you said, once they go not happy, they are not happy. <laughs> yeah, bro. So honestly, let's, let's hold off on the end because it should definitely deserve its own detailed section of this episode. Let's, um, let's kind of describe like, I don't want to give like a history lesson on World War One, but you know, um, it's no secret that you're the big history buff. Do you want to kind of 
give me any common knowledge you think should be seen in the context of this movie, maybe specifically with Australia, specifically with campaigns like this, like oh, yeah. the kind of way that World War One played out in that way. Do you have anything to add in terms of that context? Yeah, well, it's kind of important to note, um, especially because the movie does, it does very good hints at this and their sort of like direct importance, Australia's particular importance in the war. Because at this point in time, and I think probably, no, probably isn't anymore, but Australia was part of the British Empire. Mm-hmm. Australia and New Zealand were part of it, and that's where the that's where the force that they fight under is part of. It was called like the Osland Force or something like that, where it was a combination of New Zealand, British, and Australian troops. And because of where Australia is located, they're like not directly that relevant to the war. I mean, it's its own continent, for God's sake, and it's yeah, right, yeah. not like swimming in resources are easy to take over, you know, so nobody really wants to go out of their way to go get it. At this point in the war, because it had been going on for a few years now, um, the Allied forces believed that they needed to create another weak point, or another front, uh, to further divide German forces. And so this is what they do with the... Uh, the, the group that we see in the movie Gallipoli, that was essentially their first staging point was to attack Northern Turkey on Gallipoli, uh, very close to Belgium, who was in uh, central power. And then uh, they assumed that that would further divide the German forces and therefore weaken one of the other fronts that they had developed. Um, mm. Okay. So it is kind of important. And so they're pulling off fresh troops, new troops that haven't necessarily seen combat and going in to weaken it. So that, that I think that the movie does a very good job of sort of stating sort of the how new people are to this type of thing, especially because we're following young kids who aren't even legal to join the war. Facts. You know, facts. they're not even permitted. And the guy in the desert, I think that is an incredible scene. Oh, with, um, with with the camel. Okay. Very very yeah. interesting. Okay. The guy they meet there, because essentially you pick up that he's just a courier. So he runs back and forth through essentially this, you know, desert, traveling taking messages and parcels or whatever, what have you. And so he he asks like, Who are we at war with? And they're like, Germany. And he's like What? <laughs> <laughs> like, well, why? <laughs> it's yeah. like because if you're sort of out of the loop, it, it really doesn't make sense. Like, why is Australia going to Europe to fight the Turks who are like, we're fighting, we're fighting Germany, but we're going to fight the Turks to fight the Germans. And so that like, this is, this guy is kind of confused too. Yeah. <laughs> like, dude, and yeah. It makes total sense for that. I think yeah. it paints the picture pretty well. Yeah, he definitely embodies that opinion in in a great way. And I actually, I didn't put too much significance in that scene, but that's a really great point that you bring up. And so I feel like overall with Gallipoli, what we kind of just established was that it's telling the story of these people growing into their war. And so that's kind of what the beginning of the movie is telling is like, you know, Mark Lee, it's super apparent that he has a bright future ahead of him, dude. If he just kind of puts his head 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 to the ground, gets his uncle to train him how to run and do stuff, and maybe one day he could be a wealthy person in Australia just because he has this, I believe it's a God-given talent is the quote from the movie. And he goes and fights in a war that wasn't his, and this is the spoiler section, 
and he dies in it. He, like he dies yeah. in the war, like at that part, dude. And so what I really just love about this movie is the way that it got me invested in the characters. Like, um, let's kind of go into the dynamic between Mel Gibson and Mark Lee a little bit. And kind of the point, the point that I want to get to is how much we feel like it's just two homies hanging out. And they're kind of like on this little travel ex- ex- extravaganza. They get, they get to go hang out in Egypt and Cairo. And like, there's those tiny little scenes of like, um, the, the, the prostitutes, for example, great example, Luke, or, um, when they, <laughs> when they, um, they're, I, I want to talk about that scene where they give the guy a little bit of trouble too in his shot, because I thought that was really interesting, oh, yeah, but the wrong guy. <laughs> yeah. So not, not to ramble on, but this is such a unique war movie because the war isn't the main character at all. It's about the people involved in the war. And I think generally that is a really interesting story, a story ploy. And as I just said, I'm not going to ramble. I'm going to ramble a little bit more and bring up Deer Hunter briefly because I really feel like the Deer Hunter with Robert De Niro and Christopher Walken was kind of the same idea of friends with camaraderie getting into something that was bigger than them and having it change them forever. So, my friend, how do you feel about Mel Gibson and Mark Lee and how we kind of went on the journey with them? I I really liked it because it paints a pretty good picture um, just because you have a lot of opposition from those characters in the start. And to contrast with Deer Hunter, you know, all those guys were from the same area. You know, yeah. they had the same job, essentially, or they worked at the same place. Uh, They're all very close friends, and then they all decide to go. Whereas in uh, Gallipoli, it's kind of the opposite. We have guys that don't work in the same area. They're all too young. Um, they don't really, they start off more as rivals and sort of like that hike through the desert makes it even worse. Yeah. Like they don't even, uh, Mel Gibson's character doesn't even want to join the war at all to begin with. He wants to, you know, stay home just because he doesn't want to get shot for a war that isn't his makes yeah, total sense. Which is fun, fundamentally different characteristics of our two main characters. Yeah. I think I think it does it I think it does it very well in painting that picture that it was sort of like this grandiose nationalism type deal. It went a little bit further, you know, because where they all get exposed to the war is at that uh or they all get exposed to sign up is at the the uh relay races or the the races the relays or they are running. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry so I, I personally thought of that was <laughs> pretty sorry i i thought you i thought you cut out for a little bit um yeah no dude so like again that's what makes it unique that's why i enjoyed it so much so kind of moving forward with the conversation at what point do you feel like mark lee and mel gibson really gained that camaraderie from not being enemies because when mel gibson approaches him in the race in the beginning um it's a competition and he wants to win the money and he's pissed that he lost by that tiny hair and even mark lee gives him that little like hey that was just bad luck man like trying to be like um sportsmanlike and whatnot and so yeah. the moment that i really liked the movie was when they got on the train and they had that tiny bit of camaraderie and then they go and they have the long desert scene which could be interpreted as like wasting screen time, you know, like not really, yeah. not really utilizing your screen time, but instead it's used as a way to kind of 
to show off how different they are and how they'll eventually come together. And then you fast forward to Cairo when they finally meet back up with each other and they're sprinting in the middle of the desert to some pyramids for some fun, right? And so yeah. if you kind of get a bird's eye view of the plot and kind of point everything out chronologically, I feel like just the first like hour and a half of this movie really didn't show me what I thought it was going to show me, but it surprised me in a really interesting way because I was able to connect to all these characters. You feel me? Yeah, no, it, it really does an excellent job of bringing the, like it's in a war movie, but you kind of forget that expectation that you have for a war movie, you know, with how well it brings all these characters together. Yeah. Yeah. Do you for feel sure. Me on that? And it's, yeah. it's very, it's a lot different than like, uh, uh, like Saving Private Ryan, just because that's probably like the best war movie ever, I guess I would assume. Yeah, that 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 that's that's a good thing to compare to because it's so yeah. well known. Yeah, and it's like how do we learn about those characters? Totally opposite way. We learn through the guy that was the typewriter, uh, just because he doesn't know anybody there, so he essentially becomes the driving force for all the exposition about every other character in that uh, squad. Yeah. And we don't even know about Tom Hanks's character to like the very end. Whereas in this one we're we know everybody almost the second they're on screen, they're getting explained, they're giving examples of who they are. It's not just a description that we're hearing. You know, we're seeing who these people actually are. Yeah. Uh, um a hundred percent. And um not to kind of um just walk around the same bush, but this um this is like this is this is i feel like okay okay let me let me step back so like you talk about a war statistically and you're like 100,000 people died in this war on this day and you're just kind of move forward with that information as a statistic as this is just how many people died or you can do a massive statistics of how many people died just in world war 1 as a whole and when you think about it that way, it definitely dehumanizes it and lets you kind of take in the information in a less, maybe, I don't know if realistic is the right word, but more of a logical, looking at it to improve kind of way. But I feel like the second that you kind of really sit down and just think about who these people were, who their families were, all those kinds of things, like that feeling of just depression and angst and anger and questions about this freaking earth that we live on like boils up inside you and so like you know saving private ryan is just super action heavy so i can see that being somebody's favorite movie because they like war movies they like explosions they like tom hanks they like all that good stuff as to where i feel like if this was someone's favorite war movie it's because of the way that they just described the harsh reality of war in this way. So how about we kind of get into that motif of the harsh reality of war and maybe try to compare it to Revolution or The Deer Hunter? Because, you know, I kind of have a feeling that the longer you and I do this podcast and the more war movies that we kind of try to dive into, it's going to be a huge motif is the dehumanizing effect of war. In fact, I'd say that's probably even one of the main ways that people tell war stories. So... Yeah. And um, oh no. No, no, you continue. You continue, please. Okay, perfect. I'd love to. <laughs> so, one one of the big things that we see a lot um and this is essentially for like pretty much most wars 
especially in a modern era, there isn't, there's, uh, there's the expectation and then there's the reality. And that is sort of, um, especially in films nowadays, the big contrasting effect. That is where you see sort of the dehumanization occur. Um, World War One is kind of the epitome of that, and so is Vietnam is kind of the epitome of that, where they were literally both lied to. They both assumed, you know, the war was going to be something else that, you know, was honorable and nice to fight, but it's like, once you get there, there's no honor in it. It's pretty terrible. You're tooth and nail. You're clawing at people. And so to see that, it's kind of like, you've always got characters that sort of can't handle it, that break. Um, mm-hmm. And that they, they serve good examples to sort of centralize that this is where we're in. We're in the thick of it. it. It's not, you know, that grandiose adventure that people were lied to about. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this, this one's, this one's kind of unique though, because it isn't the start of the war. It's, pretty much the middle to end of the war yeah um, yeah and in terms of screen time we only see the war for literally the last like 25 minutes bro yeah but it's sort of like this the idea of the plan you know is just sort of like always introduced as it'll be over quickly because of this plan that's why we're doing it like this is the best thing to possibly do Which, and um, spoiler alert it's not. <laughs> it isn't. Because that's the thing. Um, I think the reason why so much of this movie doesn't have a lot of action, it's like, you know, like the straight up an hour and a half of the two hour movie is just the backstory on these characters and seeing how they interact with each other. Yeah. And the last half hour is war. But we're never given like multiple locations of the war. We're given one trench. Yeah, and only okay. o- only one campaign too, correct? Yeah, oh yeah. Not e- it's like the start of a campaign. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and so that's kind of it I think that serves like historically cuz it is fictitious but in like a realistic approach of trying to like, sort of like comprehend the war, I think that does a good job because what a trench is back then is it gets summarized where the supply line stops. Okay. Just just because you know, everybody that's been taught anything about World War One, they know about the trench warfare, and it's like, why were they in these trenches? It's because you can't really do anything to get in between at the time. There's nothing to do just because the weapons that we have, the tactics that they're using, there wasn't anything else you could do other than stalemate at these two points. And the supply lines had to run all the way from back to where, you know, they're being produced, ammunition, whatever had to run all the way from wherever they're getting produced all the way to the front line. And that is a crazy feat. That is an astonishing feat. And that's kind of the biggest thing about the war was being able to sort of understand how to put those supply lines in effect. And that's, you know, that's why we see that just dead stalemate, because if you can't get them farther, you're not going to be able to sustain anything farther. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, that's you actually just brought up a good point I did want to talk about with this movie was kind of how, you know, I would go as far to say that 
people of our generation living in 2020, it's now that we have iPhones and I'm talking to you over an application and we're not even in the same state right now. I'm sorry, people of Midnight Showing, if you didn't know that. Nash and I aren't in the same state right now. <laughs> One day we might be and we'll sit on a couch and do this show, but for now we gotta do the webcam stuff. But um, it's it's you and I, you and I actually talk about this casually sometimes because it interests both of us. But just the way that messages and supply lines and everything had to literally be done back then, and how at yep. the end, end of the movie, Mel Gibson is literally just the guy running back and forth between generals because he's wicked fast, bro. Like that is such a realistic and interesting thing to think about. That now I can't just text somebody who lives in a different state. My thoughts, you had to send a courier on some dude in a desert on a camel, or you had to have the fastest guy in the army just run between spots, bro. So kind of what I wanted to talk about with this movie was the emphasis on that, and also how it almost feels like the fact that they were really fast wasn't even like utilized the way that I thought it was going to be. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. to kind of dip my toes in the end of the movie right now, Mark Lee dies at the end, and it really just exemplifies how terrible it is that if he stayed with his uncle back in Australia, he probably could have had a very successful life with that God-given talent he has. Instead, he is literally sent to his death, which is another thing I want to talk about, is the literal being sent to your death through that trench warfare. Like, instead of having it be a story of Mel Gibson and um, Mark Lee sprinting throughout all these places being the runners, it was kind of just a catalyst for the last 20 minutes of the movie and to give us another reason to feel bad about Mark Lee. How do you feel about using their speed in the story? Because when I think about it, like that's definitely not the, like the, the easy way to write this script about two runners in a war is to write them running in the war. You feel me? But yeah. this, this movie didn't really do that. You, you, you know the point I'm trying to make? No, I, I think that's an excellent point to make, and I really think it's sort of the setup for um, <clears throat> the sort of lost generation effect um, kind of centers around that point and how they are runners. Because um, that was, you know, pretty real thing, pretty important thing back then. I know there was a movie that just came out uh, like last year. What was it called? Uh, it was It was a year. I think it was like 1914 or 1912 yeah, maybe or yeah. 1913, something like that. Yeah, that, yeah, I think it was 1914. And that sort of is the same. The whole concept of that movie is they're trying to get a message to the other line. Yeah. And that's the whole concept of the movie. And sort of why that's probably going to be the most common thing you'll find in World War One movies. And it probably is now that I'm thinking of it because I can't really name any other World War One movies. But um, it's just because there isn't much more to go on because that's what you did. You sat in the trench and then you waited for your time to go up and you probably didn't make it. That's just sort of the harsh reality of it. And that's kind of the thing that Mel Gibson's character has to live with at the end of it, because he knows he's not faster. That's sort of reiterated pretty subtly um, throughout the movie. Like, it seems more like a casual talking point than it does, like, a big point they're trying to drive home. But at the end, it's sort of like, he's going to be living with the fact that his friend died because he couldn't get to the line fast enough. Which when is wicked heavy, extremely depressing, and barely even shown because the last shot of the movie is him dying. 
Yeah. That's in, he, that's that's interesting storytelling right there in my opinion. And and he knows his friend was faster. Yes. That too, bro. Yes, dude. You know, what I like most about this podcast, dude, is that you and me watch a movie, we have our thoughts about it, and then I find that I tend to like the movies more once I discuss it with you. And this is happening again where now I'm realizing the nuance that was actually in this movie and that it wasn't just a bang, bang, shoot, shoot war movie. You feel me? Yeah, it really wasn't. It, it takes your expectation and throws it out the window. Yeah, and not gonna lie, dude. I was, I, I was. This was your, this was your pick. I was a little questioning your pick on, on this one, bro. I was like, Gallipoli, World War One, Mel Gibson. Okay, let's let's watch it. And it turns out to be fire again, dude. Which like, this is a recurring theme in our whole podcast is that I always think a movie is gonna be weird or outdated, and then I'm like. I really enjoyed that. I wish my friends who like movies would watch it too. You feel me, bro? Like it's, it was, it was a really great movie. So we've been talking for a little bit now. Let's kind of really define the ending now that I feel like we've defined the first part of the movie and why we find it so interesting. So I actually made a joke to you because when the tone shifts is when they're all really quiet in the boats and it goes all blue as they're going towards the, um, the beach right that was the first tonal shift but then once that tone shift they still get there and the war is still a little bit of a joke um that was that that was another point i wanted to bring up was that everybody's laughing and not taking the war seriously on the australian side and this is exemplified in a ton of ways with the australian dudes dicking around with mel gibson and like i don't know just at the the first when they go swimming yeah, that joke I made about the happiest war movie until it didn't want to be. I meant that because, like, everybody is laughing. We like all these characters. There's barely any conflict. We're just going with these guys on this adventure. And then a tonal shift usually would be like, damn, they're about to get on this beach, and it's about to be some D-Day explosions shots to your face, bro. But that bomb hits on the beach. Everybody blows back. Everybody stands up and starts laughing again. And so, again, that's like just redirecting all of our expectations of what this war actually is. And you even kind of question as you're watching it if it's ever going to get serious. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, that's a good way to look at it, especially considering that we're looking at it through the perspective of people that are too young to even be there. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. I think that plays a pretty important role. And then once we're finally there... um we sort of see the weight of the decisions being made. Yeah. 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 You know, because it's like, all right, they're doing three waves, setting them up the first two. There's no chance. Anybody's going to make it. One guy accidentally says one thing. Right, bro. And it's sent. (laughs) I'm, I'm as annoyed with that guy as I was at Tom Dobbs son for signing them up for the American revolution, bro. No, but that's sort of like the heavy weight is like the decision to be made um, by the, I forget what the guy's rank was, was the lieutenant maybe? Yeah. That ends up going over there with him because he says, I can't tell my men to do something that I wouldn't. Which, dude, that was just so, I'm gonna swear, that was so heavy, bro. That was so heavy. Like... Like I'm, I'm not, I'm getting a, like a little bit of chills right now, bro. Like thinking about the literal implications of watching at least 100 men, probably more, go above that trench line and get gunned down, not even make it five feet, and that that dude on the phone just yelling at them. No, well, um, somebody reported seeing a marker sign in their trench, so you better shut your mouth and do what I tell you. It's like. <laughs> 
my god, bro. And this movie that was so happy-go-lucky for the whole time is gonna hit me with that hardcore ending of literally being sent to your death, bro. Like, talk, just talk about a tonal change, dude. You know that other scene I want to talk about with the tone changes was when they were underwater briefly. Because, again, underwater scene, everybody's naked. That's always fun. Hardcore shrapnel. The music changes. It's quiet. They're underwater. Like, wait, are we, like... Is this it right now? Are we are we about all be naked and dead in the ocean? And then they come up. Everybody's laughing again. The dude's like, "Dang, I got hit," but then it's not even that big of a deal. They're carrying him off, and his bare ass is showing, dude. Like this, if like, I'm almost confused about it because of how happy go lucky it was until the literal last possible second. Yeah, it rob it straight up robs you of it. Yeah, bro, and. You know, I think I think that's where my amazement with this movie is really resonating is how much they really just stuck to keeping it at that tone of just a bunch of kids having fun on this adventure until you realize that it's not an adventure and you can literally get sent to your death just because one dumbass general said one thing to another dumbass general and now we're just sending thousands of people to die for literally no reason, bro. Like, that is so insane in a movie that was, like, making me laugh and enjoy hanging out with Mel Gibson and the dude. You know what I mean, bro? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, yeah. It's got so many absolutely hilarious scenes. And even with the backdrop of it being war... It's still hilarious. Like when they're in Egypt, I think is the best part of this. And it's like they're getting talked to by that one guy about like not, you know, sleeping with anybody because you'll get syphilis. Like even that's like a hilarious scene, even when they're pretending to do drills and charge each other and like beat the crap out of the other regiment. Like that's a hilarious scene. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, um, everybody who isn't wounded, carry the wounded. Like we're pretending to actually do it. Then everybody like lays down. Like, yeah, that's some, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> general, general comedy and generally sets the tone for how these people felt, bro. Like, <sighs> it does a very good job. It does exactly what it's supposed to do. And you don't really, you don't feel like it's going to happen. Yeah. And I, and I think that's the whole point because I don't think they felt like it was going to happen. Yeah. And uh, yes, one you just hit the nail on the head 100% and it was finessed in a beautiful way. And honestly, bro, now now that we've discussed it, I'm going to say this is this is this is a masterful movie. This is a masterfully crafted movie. But I will also say I could totally see why somebody would see it and not appreciate it for the same reason that you and I appreciate it. So I don't think this is like a you show it to somebody and it's a 10 out of the 10 out of the park hit. But I think that if you appreciate it for the reasons that I appreciate it or you appreciate it, maybe you could really say that this is a really, really, really well-made movie. Yeah, incredibly well-made because it does what some movies fail to do and it's probably one of the mm -hmm. hardest things to do in a movie which is sort of make you forget about everything else going on mm -hmm. and this movie totally does that <coughs> even when you have the expectation that it's going to be um a action-packed movie and it isn't and it doesn't really bother you at least i never got the feeling that it would bothered me during the movie, I didn't think about it. I was just so engrossed by all the other characters. Yeah, exactly, dude. And you know, I I almost feel like those the the grand adventure they went on before they got to the war 
was not even necessarily interesting stuff happening. You feel me on that? Yeah. Like, like the movie was kind of just going, and that's why I kind of feel like you could just show it to somebody and they just think it was a boring movie. Like, why are we watching Relay Races, bro? What are you showing me? But I really think it's great. <laughs> and you know, one of the one of the last questions I wanted to ask you before we really wrap it up was, um, you are a huge fan of historical fiction, and I know this just from doing the show with you. So I wanted to ask how you felt this movie did as a historical fiction piece for world war one and maybe relate it to how revolution did or how deer hunter did or something like that. How do you feel like this historical fiction piece hit that historical fiction niche? Look at I that think, rhyme, bro. Damn. <laughs> I think, um, as far as we go, uh, for historical fiction, this one, um, pulls the most from actual historical events, um, going on. I think because of how sort of heavily aligned in that it is an excellent movie as an education piece, just because you really do get an understanding for that war, even though you see tiny, tiny amounts of it, it really puts the mental perspective of the people going to it very well, even though they're Australian and they weren't there from the beginning of the war. Yeah. I, I think all of those factors and how it is so diverse with the subject material and the setting, but it does such a flawless job of getting that sort of emotional weight from the actual events in history that happened mm -hmm. and putting it in, into you in a, a very entertaining way to watch. I think it, it, it's probably one of the best ones. I think it's definitely better than Revolution. Yeah, well, that that was a bad movie that you and I just liked. You know, we kind of cut yeah. that. We, we cut that movie a lot of slack. But I just, I wanted to relate it to it because I feel like it, that's the same kind of idea of just giving you a little lens into what it might have been like during this time period. You feel me? Yeah, with Deer Hunter, it's a bit more difficult because Deer Hunter really has that, it feels like it's more about the characters yeah you know than than what they're doing per than what sort of is going on around them per se mm, yeah. this one i'm kind of having an issue whether i don't know if it's more about the war or more about the characters well you know let me you know actually now that you just say that when i think i'm we didn't talk about mel gibson that much for the last 40 minutes bro so mel gibson's like the star of this movie and like do we really have too much to say about him? You know what I mean? Like, Robert De Niro and Christopher Walken carry the deer hunter because they're such phenomenal actors. And Mel Gibson and Mark Lee do phenomenal jobs. They have great chemistry. I loved their characters, and I'm super sad about the way the movie ended. But we barely even talked about Mel Gibson going through this movie. How do you feel about that with, like, how we the characters were actually treated? Gosh, that's uh, – man, that's difficult. Because, again, I think their, their their performances is incredible. That's the first thing to know. I don't I don't think they did any worse or had any less, you know, um talent than everybody in Deer Hunter. Yeah. Okay. But it's a, a different lens because of how young they are. Yeah, big facts and too. That's a really I, good point. I think that really probably hits home the most about the separation between the movies because their ignorance is so their ignorance is very drawn out. Whereas in Deer Hunter, you remember how it's like, yeah, we're going to go to war. The next 
clip is of them flamethrowing, yeah, like, you know, using a yeah. flamethrower on, on a point. Vietnam village. That's a great point, Ash. That's a great point, yeah. Like, they dove right into it, whereas these guys, like, had to be smacked a few times before they got the heat of the situation. Yeah, bro. Well, dude, I, I even wanted to, I wanted to t- touch upon that eth- emphasis on travel, too, bro. So, can, can I ask you... A, a Game of Thrones question, please. Oh my gosh. Oh when it comes gosh. to Game of Thrones season one, what is one of the main factors that every character has to deal with? <laughs> Travel. Yeah. By the time we get to season eight of Game of Thrones, what doesn't matter anymore? Oh, get, getting anywhere. You can go, exactly, you can go, you can go from the wall to the heart of the north in a day. Exactly, and then... dude. And so that kind of goes along with what we were talking about earlier about needing a literal person to just run back and forth like that travel aspect is again something that you don't really think about because i can hop in my car and be a couple states away in like four hours yeah you know what i mean no exactly and it is one of us like that was probably one of the biggest reasons why i think game of thrones did so poorly was because (laughs) we could have a whole goddamn podcast about that bro (laughs) yeah it's because well you set the whole stage up it's like if you think about it most of the events of the show, most important things are really happening while people are on the move or moving where they're going is just important. And how long they'll get Mm -hmm. there is Mm -hmm. incredibly important. And then by the end of it, it's the most irrelevant thing ever. It's just like, no, it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. But you can't because of continuity error. It's such a huge continuity. Yeah. Yeah. No, it it really is. And again, we kind of touched upon it in this movie. We we like it so much because so much time is given to Mel Gibson and Mark Lee to kind of grow together. And I don't want to contradict myself because I just said that we didn't talk about Mel Gibson too much. It's definitely their movie, dude. Like they drive like why I care about this movie. So I didn't mean the Mel Gibson comment in that way. I meant more like, um, kind of just I feel like there's with, just so much without, to talk about. Yeah, with, with without that travel aspect, they wouldn't have bonded, and I wouldn't have been so connected to the characters when the ending finally oh. happens. That's what I was trying to say. Was incredible with, with, point. Yeah, without this emphasis emphasis on travel, like bro, if if the movie started and we had the relay race, and then we had the Mel Gibson scene, and then they were already on the beaches of Gallipoli. I, I don't think I would have cared about yeah. their characters as much because it was about them getting to Gallipoli. This movie isn't about Gallipoli. It's about getting to Gallipoli. How do you feel about that take, bro? <laughs> yeah, no, that's incredible because think about it. It's like the first thing they do that really cements them as friends is they go to Perth. Yeah. Perth, Perth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Whatever yeah, it yeah. is. Like they're traveling to a location. Then they get there. Then they leave. And then it's traveling like that, that really the whole movie kind of revolves around that travel aspect, which is sort of the importance of why I made that comment. In the beginning is a trench is where the supply line stops and that's where the movie stops oh. because the whole movie is them traveling, literally them traveling to get to uh, Gallipoli. And then yeah. once they're there, they're only there for a little bit and it's at, and it's done. Yeah. 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 yeah, Bro. So dude, just, I I don't, I don't want to ramble on here making the same points, but just talk about a war movie that doesn't even care about the war. But when it did want to care about the war, it snuck, it snuck up on me, bro. It snuck up on me. Cause it, it it really made you think that the war wasn't even going to matter. Then by the time that you're finally hit with that brutal reality, 
uh, these characters yeah. are gone and i know that i like this movie as much as i'm talking about it right now because i generally feel sad knowing that mark lee died at the end, end of the movie you know what i mean like i i generally i generally feel that feeling that's like dang dude that's actually like really really sad he had so much potential all these great friends just wanted to do it because who knows why it's this was a good one bro this 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 was a good one this was a really good one yeah and it, it's a great example too of it can you can have like a war drama movie without having an unnecessary like love romance subplot <laughs> big facts big facts that, that you see repetitively done all the time and it's like uh, how about how about the camaraderie of friendship is that enough? <laughs> <laughs> but that being said i think we should hop into that as uh defining the genre of this movie it's definitely a war movie, an adventure war movie, maybe. I don't know. What description are you thinking? I'm thinking it's just a war drama because yeah, the you really don't get too much action in it. No, I. It's definitely not not an action movie, bro. It's 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 definitely not. And you know, maybe this this might be another another hot take, but I feel like action movies definitely desensitize people dying. And when people died in this movie, it was so freaking real, bro. Like, when when Barney dies out of nowhere and the dude is pale in the face and then Snowy is dead on the bed, you know what I mean, bro? Like, yeah. So, yeah, like, it's definitely not an action movie, I would say, because there's no emphasis on that action to be, quote-unquote, cool. It is instead harsh, brutal, and really just makes you thankful you didn't grow up during world war world war one bro. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, straight up, dude. yeah thank god yeah. so what do you recommend it to your friends i would but i don't think all of them would like it but i would <laughs> yeah no i think it, i think if you like history <laughs> yeah. or know anybody that does recommend it to them because i think the same would probably go for family because it's kind of hard um I think it would be kind of hard to get like my family to watch it. Like my dad would love it. Yeah, my dad would too. Yeah, but I don't know if anybody else in my family would. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, to I to totally agree. Even the we we just talked so great about this movie, but yeah, I feel like it is a movie that definitely like not everybody would appreciate for the reasons you and I appreciate it for. You know. Yeah. So is it a cult classic? I. I don't think so. I don't think so because this was the first time I'd ever heard about it before ever. And yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Cinephile though. Yes. Cinephile. I, I would, I would say it's a cinephiles must watch. Would you agree? Yeah. I have to agree with that. Cause it's, if you're going to make a war movie, I think you should definitely look at this one too, to know that your scope isn't as limited as sort of the most popular ones are kind yeah. of surrounded by that action aspect yeah i agree yeah good great movie. movie dude great movie great, great, <laughs> great movie Epi episode 26 with a great movie all right so with that being said who uh who did the music rain, rain? uh i believe it was rain at bismuth beats this week Oh, nice. Is that his, like, Twitter handle or his Instagram? Uh, actually, bro, well, dude, <laughs> it, was just a, it, it, was, it was just a nickname. He, um, his last, his last name is Sinclair, and there was a joke that his last name was Sinclair, and, um, so then we just made his name Rain Sinclair. Rain, Rain Sinclair. <laughs> I 
That's the whole joke, dude. Well, I'm glad it makes you laugh. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So uh, please be sure to subscribe to our channel. Follow us on Instagram to stay in the loop for upcoming episodes and help us determine the movies we watch and future content we can bring to you. Be sure to reach out to us, please. We love it. We enjoy it. We like seeing what you want us to do. Uh, be sure to check us out at ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com. And remember, your donations keep my blue light on. Uh, be sure to check out our latest episodes released every Thursday at midnight. <laughs> what do you what, what do you mean by by midnight? <laughs> do you mean do you mean like 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 it's midnight and then it's thursday all day or it's midnight then it's friday all day no because we usually release like friday so that means yeah, yeah, like yeah. thursday so it's thursday right yeah we're gonna start scheduling our videos and podcasts to come out at midnight on friday so it's gonna be 12.01 a.m. on Friday and the an episode of, of Midnight Friday. Show is going to come out. <laughs> Who knew Midnight was going to be so confusing when we came up with the name, bro? <laughs> yeah, right? Because it, it, it's like, when, when is the day? All right. <laughs> so Thursday night, Friday morning. That's when they're released now. <laughs> because our show's midnight showing. It makes sense. We're clever like that. <laughs> it only took us 26 episodes to get it together. Um, so, Better late than never. Better late than never. Yeah, right? So we will see you next week as we yell about two hands with Heath Ledger. You know what they said as they looked upon the pyramids, Nash? What? That was man's first attempt to conquer death. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>